0: Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And
1: now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. And the phrase I use is, release the potential. So you're trying to release the potential of the vast majority of people in the organization.
0: What you're really doing is you're trying to to bring kind of the, the least intuitive or the slowest of these employees up to where your best employees are doing this naturally.
1: You need to do some research to define what drives value, okay? And which emotions drive value. Now we need to train people on how to evoke those emotions.
0: So Colin, one of the things that you and I set out to do when we recorded this podcast, when we wrote our book together, is we enjoy the fact that we come at problems with different perspectives. I've got kind of the the academic theory perspective. You've got the practical perspective. We want to try to balance across episodes too. Were you going to disagree with me do you not have a practical perspective
1: uh no i for the first time ever i agree with you
0: okay good we're on the same page then for now give it another minute <laughs> so a lot of times we'll organize these episodes around some theory and then we'll talk through the theory and what it means sure we also though decided that we want to have some episodes that are more dedicated to what you might call tools or, or strategies specific approaches people can take and so Today's episode, we're going to talk about some specific tools that you've developed in your work to try to get at you know kind of the practical problems of how do I implement this theory? Is that a fair summary?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. For me, it, when I created Beyond Philosophy, one of the the reasons I decided to call it Beyond Philosophy was to try to get over the thought that you've got to have a philosophy or thought or strategy, and you know you've got to have the science and the background and that behind it but you've also got to go beyond that and do something. So, you know, all these theories that we talk about are great, but the issue that organizations always face is how do I implement this, basically?
0: And I mean, we should emphasize it's a really, really tough issue. A lot of the stuff that we talk about in behavioral economics that people are so excited about now, this stuff is 50, 60 years old at this point. Sure. And yet it hasn't infiltrated business and politics frankly and and life to the extent that it should because this question of what do I do with this theory is a really hard one and so it's exciting to me to get to talk about some kind of practical tools some practical approaches
1: yeah good so today we're going to talk a bit about effectively how do you get the frontline teams to start to embrace this stuff and deliver this stuff Okay. And in a previous podcast, we talked about journey mapping and the process behind journey mapping. But how we got to this was a couple of ways, really. So when I walk home at night and I walk in the front door and I shout hello to Lorraine, my wife, within a one word response, I can tell you how Lorraine is feeling. And I can tell you if she's particularly happy or I can tell you if she's particularly sad. I can tell you if I've done something wrong and I don't know about (laughs) it, (laughs) which is normally the case. And I start thinking...
0: Are we going to talk about the probability or the propensity of that one popping up?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I start thinking to myself, what have I done? I can't remember what I've done. i start scanning my memory to think to myself, what have I done? But if you think about it, what I'm doing is, or what any of us doing, and I'm sure everybody is similar with their significant others, that you're looking at effectively facial expression, you're looking at the body language, you're looking at the tone of voice, you're looking at cadence, you're looking at all those types of things, and you're effectively evaluating them and then making a choice and says, Lorraine's not happy. And then the interesting bit is you then have a choice you yeah. can <laughs> you can do something that will make the situation worse and i've learned that's not a good idea or you can do something that will make the situation better and therefore effectively what you're doing is you're converting that person from feeling one way into feeling another and that's effectively so for me this is this sort of practical bit which starts to go okay, so I walk in and Lorraine's feeling annoyed and I want her to feel happy. So what do I do and what do I say and how do I say it, etc.? cetera? And the reason I give you this example is because clearly it's the same with customers, which is a customer walks into a customer experience feeling something, hopefully happy, but they could also be frustrated. They could be annoyed. Mm -hmm. They could be just ambivalent, to be honest with you. And even ambivalence is not good. But the issue then becomes, how do you evoke the emotion? And I'm trying to be careful with my words now. How do you evoke the emotion in them that you want to evoke that drives value? So for me, this stuff needs to get specific you need to be able to say we want our customers to trust us to feel cared for and we know that if we get our customers to feel those things then that drives value for us therefore the output of this interaction i'm just to have with them is they're going to feel cared for and trust and therefore i'm going more most importantly i'm going to do these things to get there does that make sense
0: yeah it does it strikes me that a lot of the stuff that happens within an organization, in terms of training, in terms of you know ramping up the skill set of employees or getting people on the same page, what you're really doing is you're trying to to bring kind of the the least intuitive or the slowest of these employees up to where your best employees are doing this naturally. So we've all met just naturally gifted salespeople, yep, or naturally gifted customer experience employees yep. where they just intuitively do all the things that you just you know described in your interaction with your wife so you know you walk onto the sales floor and there's a sales clerk there who immediately intuitively knows how you're feeling and knows what to say and knows it's great and if you're in a position to hire just people who are that gifted all the time then you probably don't need any additional training sure the reality is though, nobody's got access to thousands of employees like that. And so instead, what you have to do as a manager is explicitly train employees on how to develop these skills that the truly gifted employees do kind of naturally. So can you, can you break down this process into something explicit that you can then manage and train on?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Part of this problem is, and a couple of little anecdotes here, I've been into many organizations, and I'm sure people listening to this podcast will know this themselves. You talk to people in an organization and and you say, how much training have you had for working in the call center, for instance? And they said, oh yeah, we had two months of training. Okay, and how much training was on how to deal with a customer? Uh, well, we had three hours on the fifth week, you know, in the afternoon on a Friday. And you just go, it's just not enough, you know? Right. And it's no wonder that we have the problem. So you're totally right, mate. My figures, and this is just anecdotally, 20% of people are really good and do a great job for you. 60% of people are the vast majority and they need help and improvement. 20% probably shouldn't be working for you. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to, and the phrase I use is release the potential, So you're trying to release the potential of the vast majority of people in the organization. So this isn't directed at the top 10%, 20%. This is directed at the masses. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to... So the things that we would do and we would look at would be... And again, you know this stuff because you've been involved with it. But for the listener, let's talk about it. You're trying to effectively say... Okay, the first job that you've got is to identify how the customer is feeling. And therefore, you need to think about, and there are five areas, you need to think about what are they saying? So what's the words that they are using? How are they saying it? Yeah. You know, so the method in which they're saying it. What do they look like? So, you know, facially, what does their body language say? You know, are they standing there with their arms crossed and their legs crossed or whatever? And what are they doing, okay? Now, in looking at those five areas, then what we try to do is to basically say, well, if you look at those five areas and customers are doing these things, then, you know, the likelihood is that they are feeling or they're not feeling trust. So, for instance, if you're looking at trust, then if a customer is saying to you, oh, I'm not sure, or, well, well, I don't think I understand, or I was expecting this, you know, again, just in those words that I'm using and the way that I'm saying it basically gives you an indication, and it is an indication, you know, you can't just base it on one of the key things. You can't just base any one of these things on just the customer saying, I'm not sure. You can't go, well, that means they don't trust us. It's accumulation of these, what we call clues. But then if the customer is saying those things and you want the customer to feel trust, and again, notice that we're being specific here about the emotion. We're not saying we want them to feel a positive emotion. We are saying we right. want them to feel trust. Then let's get into the detail of it. So what what can you say that would make the customer feel that way? Well, you would say things like, well, let me assure you, or I can promise you, or I guarantee, or I'm certain, or rest assured that, you know, this is happening. So these are saying same things.
0: Even just detail. Yeah. Right? The more detailed your response, the greater the confidence somebody's going to have that you are not trying to weasel your way out of something.
1: Yes, absolutely. So, but let me also be clear here. You know, I really dislike
0: scripts. Right, right. I meant detail in terms of like, I'll call you tomorrow by two. Yes. As opposed to reading off a script is not going to inspire confidence in anybody.
1: No, well, the other part for me is it's not natural, is it? You know, people can tell that you've, it's a classic line of have a nice day. And nobody means it, (laughs) you know, but I've ticked the box. I've said, have a nice day. And therefore I've done it. And if a mystery shopper is looking at me, then I've said those things, but you're right. It's the detail. And, you know, in trust, again, it's things like, is there active agreement? Is the customer actively agreeing with you? Are their conversations and their descriptions longer? You know, are they giving you one word answers? Yes, no, maybe, don't know, you know, because that would indicate that they're probably not trusting you. But if they're going, oh, yeah, that's a good point, yeah, and oh, well, let me tell you about this and blah, 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 blah. You can now start to put these things together along with the facial expression and the body language, and then you can start to be in a much better position to be able to go, I'm identifying how the customer's feeling, I am identifying what I need to do to move the customer to that point. Does it make sense?
0: Yeah, I, I want to emphasize two of the things that you said, because I think they're really important. You know, One of it is coming back to this idea that we, we talked about in terms of bringing kind of the middle-of-the-road employee to being a higher-level yeah. performer. A lot of times the managers who are in these positions to train and to guide, they became managers because they were already good at that, Previous jobs, so they were already great salespeople, or they were already great customer experience people. Yep. And so it may be a blind spot for them; they may not realize that the stuff that they were doing intuitively is stuff that needs to be trained into certain employees. So it, you know, there are cases, and, and you and I have seen this when we've gone into organizations where it's kind of a mystery to the managers why their employees are not picking up on this stuff, why they're not, and it's because. You know, sometimes the managers were just intuitively good at those jobs to begin with. And so they don't realize that this can be trained into. No, that's right. The other thing that I like that you said was thinking about this in terms of probabilities. So by explicitly identifying some of these markers, so like, are you thinking about their facial expressions or their body language? What you can do is you can increase the likelihood that you are correctly guessing their emotional state. As you said, it's probably not going to be 100%. But like, how valuable would it be for your employees to be 5%, 10%, 20% more accurate in guessing the emotional state of their customers so that they could then tailor their approaches to improving the customer experience? And when you think about it in those terms, certainly it's much more valuable.
1: You're right. I think there's a couple of other things that I would add to it. First of all, what it's also doing is it's actually recognizing the fact that customers have emotions. Because you're talking about it and you're training people on it and those types of things. second thing is you're giving people tools to be able to deal with somebody who's upset and angry, etc. And, you know, what we know is that most employees, what they want to do is a good thing for the customer. And they want the customer to feel happy or feel cared for or whatever because people get a sense of enjoyment out of that rather than i'm just answering the phone and you know getting on to things hi this is colin shaw i'm really pleased to announce the launch of my seventh book which i've called happy employees make happy customers the book is about the interconnection between happy employees and a great customer experience I explain how you can go about building a great employee experience that drives a great customer experience. For my podcast listeners, I'm also pleased to provide you with a special offer of a third off the regular price. All you have to do is to go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash happy. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash happy, and in the promotional code, simply type happy podcast. That's Happy podcast. I really hope you enjoy the read. A couple of other things I would mention, and we haven't mentioned this, but this is really important. When we talked about the theory, okay, so we call this memory maker training, okay? And why do we call it memory maker training? We call it memory maker training because this is about creating a memory. And for the regular listener, you'll know that this is one of my favorite topics, customer memories. And for the regular listener, you will know that one of the, the big theories in behavioral economics is Professor Daniel Kahneman, who won the Nobel Prize for Behavioral Economics. And basically, he talks about what's called the peak end rule, which is we need to think about what people remember is they remember the peak emotion that they felt and they remember the end emotion that they felt now again that for me is massively powerful and what we're doing here is now going okay we're now giving people the tools to be able to evoke the desired emotion that drives value and the methodology in which they can evoke those emotions to create a memory, and therefore go back to what we've saying at the beginning of this conversation, which is, you know, not just taking the theory of something like the peak end rule, but also then going, okay, well, how do we actually go about doing that? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, going back to this question of, you know, what are some concrete steps we can take to implement this theory or or what are the next steps
1: yeah no absolutely so the key becomes and for those people that listen to the previous podcast and if you haven't you may want to go back and listen to it in terms of the processes just briefly is you need to do some research to define what drives value okay and which emotions drive value you then need to design your experience to evoke those emotions this is the third part of that which is now we need to train people on how to evoke those emotions. And, you know, you can do the other two, but if you don't train people, you're to be honest, you're wasting your time because, you know, it's not going to manifest itself magically in the customer experience just because you've designed a, the experience that way. You've actually got to train the people on, on how to do that.
0: I mean, how many high-minded strategic initiatives have come down from, the top levels of the corporation and then just died at the front line because the employees are not motivated to do anything different, because they haven't been trained to do anything different. Yeah. I mean, this is where the rubber hits the road. This is where it happens.
1: Absolutely. And the key part now then becomes now I can start to, if you're in a call center and and I used to run call centers for British Telecom back in the day. You know, now if I'm looking at my call quality guide. I've got different things that I'm measuring customers on. So I'm not measuring just, you know, did they say these words, but, you know, how did they say them? Did the customer feel trust at the end of it? And you can obviously measure that by asking the customer in a survey or something like that after they've done that. So it's going back into giving them some practical thoughts. So I'm conscious of time. So any last thoughts from you, Ryan, on what we should be doing to make this stuff further live from your independent viewpoint?
0: I mean, I I like the three-stage process you just outlined. It's the same kind of goal-based process you would use for doing anything in your own personal life. You know, you identify the problem, you identify a strategy, and then you implement the strategy. What is your goal? What steps are you going to take to implement that goal? Make sure you're doing that in your businesses too. Make sure you're doing that as you are trying to improve customer experience as CX manager. Do you know specifically what the problem is? Do you know why CX isn't as optimized as it can be for your organization? Do you have specific plans for improving those things? And then how are you going to implement those plans? Are you going to actually change the training to make sure that your employees have the tools they need to? Are you going to change the motivation structure so that your employees... Are aligned with those kind of emotional goals that you've set for the organization. If you're not doing all of that process, then why should it work?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. So the bit of advice for me is don't just listen to all this theory because theory is interesting. You've got to go beyond it and do something. And, you know, the first step is understand what drives value because again otherwise the danger is that you will be focused on something that isn't going to drive value and when i say value i'm talking now about improvements in net promoter improvements in customer satisfaction improvements in spend or market share whatever it may be once you've designed your experience the third step is you got to train your people and you've got to invest in the frontline people So this is not half an hour training session on soft skills out of a two-month training course. This is actually something that's really, really important. Therefore, getting into the detail of what's the customer feeling, how do you identify that feeling. The key is how do you convert them? How do you, A, recognize they're feeling frustrated or annoyed, but how do you convert them into feeling cared for or trust or whatever the specific emotion is? So... Anyway, hope that's been of use. If anybody wants to talk about this further, then we're always happy just to have an informal conversation. Please just go to our website, which is beyondphilosophy.com, and you'll see a button there that says Contact. Just fill that out, and we'll get in contact with you. Or just drop us uh, an email, which is at contact at beyondphilosophy.com. That's contact at beyondphilosophy.com, and we'll have a chat. Thanks very much.